This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Tuesday, May 30th. The weather forecast for today, it's going to be a hot one. Sunny with a high of 23 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, York Region Catholic School Board votes against flying the pride flag. Number two, the United Conservative Party has won the Alberta election. Number three, Jagmeet Singh calls for the special rapporteur to be fired. He'll join more in the morning at 8.20 a.m. Number four, Mississauga City Council calling for a change to the national anthem's words. And number five, the Stanley Cup finals are lined up. Vegas Golden Knights versus the Florida Panthers. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Happy Tuesday to you. Nice to be uh, back in the saddle. And my thanks to Jerry Agar, who was in this chair and on this mic yesterday morning. And, you know, when I'm away, I don't generally listen to the show because I don't want to be one of those panicky people like, are they missing me? Is the person who's subbing for me better than I am? But I did tune in to a couple of things yesterday because I was just curious about how stuff was going. wanted to hear Brad Bradford and Jerry because I thought Jerry was going to rip him a new one. But I guess maybe there's too much overlap between um, some of their political visions for the city of Toronto. So Jerry wasn't going to be all that hard ass about it. But um, yeah, it was just a very nice weekend. I had originally taken Monday off because I was supposed to go to New York City with a friend. And then Natasha Fatah announced that there was going to be a memorial for Tarek on Saturday. And then another friend had a birthday party on Saturday night. So I thought, okay, got to take a pass in New York City. And if you want to read a bit about uh, Tarek Fatah's memorial, which was a very joyous affair, I have to say, you can consult our friend Joe Warmington online at the Toronto Sun. Uh, but effectively, I asked Natasha, is this like Muslim practice? Is it Because it was kind of almost like sitting Shiva, but with a lot better food. And it was just an, an open house at the home where Tarek lived. And it ran from 11 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon, which is an awfully long time for a family to be receiving people. But like I said, with the passage of time, because it's been, I guess, about a month since Tarek left us, there was some degree of release about uh, all of the, the grief aspects of it. And it was just a fantastic gathering of people coming and going. Anyway, enough about my weekend. There was golf as well, which I suck at. So we'll just keep moving. In the news this morning, the pride flag is not going to fly during the month of June outside of York Catholic Education's, uh, the York Catholic Education Center or any of the York Catholic Commission's schools. There was a meeting yesterday, and the vote was 6-4 against flying the rainbow flag. There are actually two students who are a part of this ensemble, whatever you want to call it, I guess board, but they don't actually get votes, and they were advocating in favor of flying the flag. But as you might imagine, there was some degree of unhappiness, including board chair Frank Alexander. That your Catholic district school board is a culture of racism and entitlement. Okay, that's the board chair. That's not some activist making a deposition. And ultimately, they decided against flying the flag. And I just, you know, I'm not going to be all belligerent 
about this sort of thing. I just think that, you know, flying the flag is a sign of inclusion. And you have to ask yourself, what is it like to be a closeted or even out high school student or elementary school student, I guess it all depends on when your awareness kicks in, to be struggling with all of those issues and have the board decide that now we don't really, you're not part of this. And whenever we get to, and honestly, there's a whole bunch of issues, and I am not sure why they all converge in terms of timing, uh, about gays and gay inclusion and uh, actually... Um, declaring war on gays in Uganda, where they have instituted the death penalty. Um, a lot of that stuff converging. And people will often send me a text or an email or Twitter, or whatever, any kind of message, say, well, what about me? You know, I am a Christian and I don't believe that this is right. Why should I be forced? Okay. The, I was saying this on the show last week, tolerance is not about inclusion of intolerance. So if you don't like something, then be who you want to be. But the idea that you can tell somebody else that they are worth less um, because of your faith-inspired discrimination against them, that is, that's not something that needs to be included or ratified. Um, then we get to, because like I said, a lot of these stories seem to be converging. And Toronto Blue Jays relief pitcher Anthony Bass, who I'm told is not a particularly good pitcher, is in trouble over messages on social media that he has since deleted. Um, but he says, quoting here, here's the reason biblically why I believe Christians have got to be boycotting Target Bud Light and any other corporation that's pushing the things they're pushing. I think a lot of people make this into a political issue or they say, oh, what's the big deal? Okay, clearly you're making it a political issue. So um, how about you just get back to learning how to pitch properly because your lack of inclusion for some of your fans is not appreciated. Um, last night on News Talk Tonight, Brock McGillis joined Jim Richards and talked about the fact that the very, and this is the real, not litmus test, but this is kind of what I was just saying about the flag at the school and everything else. The simple matter of visibility is not ramming anything down anybody's throat. Visibility isn't inclusion. Yeah. And I think there's a misconception that it is in society that if we just shove rainbows on everything and, and throw them around one day or one month a year that we're being inclusive when we're not being intolerant of bigotry. And um, I, I think that is the bigger picture is that there is so much of this that is existing and it's complete misinformation and based off such lies and inaccuracies yeah. and fear mongering and and you know like like it, it, it's such candidly bs uh brock mcgillis incidentally is the first out gay pro hockey player that's why he was on with jim last night you're listening to the breakfast wrap with john moore and i don't know is it any special comfort you can let me know if you're a leafs fan because it's just you know i i it does not run through my veins but is there any special comfort to the people who 
beat out the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs that they go to the finals. And I don't have the hard figures in front of me. I will before the end of the show, I promise. But somebody was mentioning on my drive in this morning, not like there was a stranger in the car. I was listening to some reportage. Um, it wasn't David Johnston, but somebody was quoting the number of times in the last several years that the people who bounce the Maple Leafs end up in the finals. And I guess, you know, to have, to be beaten out by somebody in a very tight playoff series, and then to have them get bounced resoundedly in the next round is not necessarily humiliating, but it's not a desirable situation. To have the people who beat you go on to either contend for or win the Stanley Cup, at the very least, I would imagine is some degree of comfort. Mentioning the five things you need to know, Daniel Smith will remain the premier of the province of Alberta. Her United Conservative Party defeated the NDP. And this was, this was tight as heck. Canadian press calling the election for Smith. Uh, last night, the Canadian press currently has the UCP elected in 37 of Alberta's 87 ridings, leading in 15. NDP elected in 22, leading in 13. That is close, but it appears that Daniel Smith and her party are going to triumph. And let this be a lesson to all of those people who are like, ah, you know, I don't bother to vote because, uh, you know, for whatever reason. In six ridings, the election was basically decided in Calgary because the NDP rules Edmonton. Edmonton is a university town and it's where the government is based. And traditionally, the town where the government is based tends to lean center left. Uh, so the NDP did fine in Edmonton. Battleground was Calgary. And in six ridings, six ridings, the decision was made by a combined 851 votes. Okay, I realize that's kind of not the easiest stat to, or, or factoid to wrap your head around. But effectively, six ridings were so close that they were decided by 851 cumulative votes. And so whenever people say, I can't be bothered to vote because my vote doesn't make a difference, no, clearly had a few more people turned out in those ridings than they would have swung in the other direction. Which is why, you know, let me take advantage of the moment, I would most certainly encourage you to vote in the municipal race. Because this election is going to be crazy. Um, and you know what? It's, it's so funny. I, I was at a, a bunch of events this uh, past weekend. And people keep on coming up to me because I guess they presume because of this show that I have some kind of better knowledge than they do about the people who are running for mayor of Toronto. And they'll say, who should I vote for? Or who do you think is going to win? is the simpler question. I do not know. I really don't know. And as much as I report on the polls as they come in, I'm beginning to think there's sort of background noise because we're getting into this thing of, okay, Olivia Chow has this towering lead, so maybe it's Olivia Chow. But then people are saying, well, yeah, but look at Anthony Fury and look how much better he's doing than ABC. And yeah, in one poll, and then one of the campaigns will send me an internal poll that shows completely different numbers. We're getting to this sort of almost uh, obsessive thing of looking at a 1% increase or a 2% drop and trying to pretend that it necessarily matters. I do think that people like narratives. People like 
a story, even beyond the whole horse race thing, because, you know, this person's ahead, that person's falling behind. That's interesting. But when you get into something like a guy who used to write for a newspaper and who sometimes appears on News Talk 1010 now is surging into credibility territory where he might win. And then people are probably going to get all excited about that. It's like, well, I like that story. I like the story. I like a chaos candidate. I like the person who comes in from nowhere and who ultimately takes the day. So I don't know. Um, people, I, it, people will... I think on election day, embrace a narrative that want to be part of a story. So it'll be veteran politician who was roundly defeated, comes back and becomes, she's not the first female mayor of Toronto, but becomes, you know, a, a story. Uh, tale of, of immigrant success and, uh, and, and of another woman becoming the mayor or a guy surges from behind or a uh, really young guy wins mayoralty. I don't know what people are going to embrace on election day. I do have one quick thing. I'm not going to bang the drum too much on this because I have not, I'm, I'm telling you stories and I'm giving you uh, policy planks. I never ever plan to endorse anybody and I don't want to seem to be lit, you know, campaigning against somebody. But I was really kind of irked, I have to say, the other day when, and I don't think he posted it. Most of the time, it's not the candidate who does the social media. But on behalf of Mark Saunders, somebody did post a photograph of University Street southbound at Queen. And the observation was, look at all these cars all backed up and look at this empty bike lane. Okay, perhaps you're ignoring the fact that university is slimmed to one lane by ill-timed construction projects. So if anything, this is the story of yet another poorly planned construction project in the city of Toronto. It's not about the bike lanes. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.36 as the sun comes up over the great city of Toronto. What a beautiful several days we've had. I mean, I've had a bit of a different experience than most of you have because I had yesterday off. And it was kind of an unexpected day off, which was uh, a gift to say the least. I'm, I was sitting here Friday morning doing the show and Joe Cristiano says, oh, by the way, you're off on Monday, aren't you? And I said, really, am I? I had forgotten because I, I had taken the day off in order to take a trip that ultimately got canceled. Anyway, um, enjoyed the weekend, went to see our friends at Flemington Park Golf Course, got paired up with these twin brothers who I've played with before who are absolutely delightful. If you don't golf, then it's, you know, not something you'd be familiar with. But if you show up and you're not four, then they throw in whatever number of people you need. And I sometimes will show up at a city golf course like Dentonia by myself and get thrown in with three people I've never met. And it's a really interesting human dynamic because, you know, at Flemington, I'll play nine holes. At Dentonia, I'll play 18. And everybody sort of sort of holds their fire for the first few holes. Because, you know, if you discover something about the person that you don't really like on hole number one, then it's going to be a long game. But, you know, by hole number three on nine holes, you start talking. I always remember turning to a guy and 
you know, the usual question, what do you do? He said, oh, I'm a Supreme, uh, what is he? I'm a superior court justice. And like, I thought he was a retired fisherman or something. Uh, and, and it turned out at the time, he was actually in the process of hearing um, the, the appeal about the city of Toronto. And uh, I'll, it, it, I forget which affair it was. Rob Ford was still mayor at the time. Anyway, um, just to protect his uh, integrity, he revealed nothing. He was very discreet. Anyway, so that was all part of the weekend. And then yesterday, you know, people keep asking me what's new. Nothing. Absolutely. You know, every day there's some new news that we can talk about. But in my life, not a lot going on. Uh, it's 538. So speaking of what is going on in the news, uh, Jagmeet Singh is going to be joining us this morning at uh, Joe Christiano's at 820, I think. He's 820 it is. 820. Okay. And that's because he is calling for David Johnston, the special rapporteur, to be dismissed. And I don't think it's out of any kind of malice or disrespect for Mr. Johnston. And I think it's because Jugmeet and I are completely on the same page here. I wish David Johnston had recused himself from the start. And I certainly think when he handed in his report last week, he should have said, you know what? I get it. This is problematic. Here's what I've discovered. Here's my report. But I really think I'm not the guy for the job. So let's just call the whole thing off. But instead, and it's not because he needs the money, although it probably pays like $2,000 to $2,500 a day. Uh, but instead, he's sticking around to hold hearings, which for me are nothing more than like a kabuki show. Um, Canadians are not going... Those Canadians who believe that something extremely politically grave has happened are never going to buy what... Mr. Johnston finds, even if he is completely on the up and up. And you know what? I'm not the only person who will tell you. He is one of the most, I think, unimpeachable men of integrity available, but he's not the right guy to be doing this inquiry. And I don't know who the right person is. You know, maybe we take three former Canadian prime ministers, you know, Paul Martin, Stephen Harper, and one other person, Kim Campbell. And we say, you do the inquiry, and whatever your result is, I think that the level of trust would be considerably higher than it's ever going to be in David Johnston. Because I, people can continue to insist what a good, decent, impartial man David Johnston is, but it ain't selling. And worse, I think, actually, is that after a lifetime of service as a uh, university president, as the governor general, as, uh, you know, in, in all kinds of positions, I think this is kind of ruining it for him. I think this is going to become a stain at, at the very end of his career. Mentioning in the five things you need to know, and yes, things have changed a little bit on our show of late. Uh, so you get the five things you need to know a little earlier in the show. And I get it. You know, people set their alarms. So maybe some of you joined us at 530 and you have no idea what we used to do in the first half hour anyway, so you don't care. Uh, second half hour now is where we hook up with our friends at CP24, which we're going to do moments from now. So, yes, the five things you need to know uh, now featuring in the first half hour. And one of the items is that uh, Mississauga City Council is actually going to vote today on whether or not it's going to push the federal government to change a single word in the lyrics to O Canada. A uh, lot of thoughts here. Uh, first of all, I should let you know what that change is, although you've probably, you, you may remember Julie Black singing the national anthem at the All-Star Game 
uh, for the N- the uh, National Basketball Association. Do we actually have that audio, Nick? You're, I see you tinkling the ivories on the other side. Okay, we'll get to it eventually. So instead of O Canada, our home and native land, the lyric would be our home on native land. Now, two thoughts here. One of them, I get it. I'm all for reconciliation and meaningful measures, but I'm not a fan of screwing around with the national anthem. Oh, Canada, our home on a native land. A lot of people really liked that. I'm just, I'm, you know, we've changed the lyrics before and sometimes with warrant. And but I just as as the winds change direction, I don't think we should constantly be thinking, okay, what political point are we going to make with the anthem this time? My other idea would be this. Hey, Mississauga City Council, how about you deal with deamalgamation of Peel? How about you make the water, you know, pure and remove the sewage and take care of the garbage? I never quite understand municipal councils taking stands on all kinds of things where effectively they're calling on another government to do something. Uh, But anyway, this comes up today, and it's actually, this would be my last thought on this, but third and last thought, it's Bonnie Crombie, who is the principal mover of the initiative. And I would say, Bonnie, if you really do aspire to higher electoral office, then you got to get your fingers out of artisanal political matters and tackle other issues. Meanwhile, just minutes before we get to our uh, hookup with our friends at uh, CP24, but watching a report on the local CTV news last night about how Ontario refu- uh, I was going to say refugees, referees, soccer referees are going to be outfitted with body cameras this summer in order to clamp down on aggressive abuse. If it works, then great. But really, I mean, these are teenagers for the most part, and they are being abused during games and chased down in parking lots after games, mostly by adults. And as a matter of fact, as a result of that abusive behavior, a lot of them haven't come back this year. We are down, I think the figure I was hearing in the report that I was following on my way in this morning was like 60% of the refs from last year have not come back. That is absolutely madness. But you know what? If I I would advocate that whatever footage these cameras capture of these teenagers being abused by adults should just be released. And then the adults can face their consequences, which frankly would probably be not only being shamed publicly, but probably losing their jobs. All right, here we go. We didn't get to talk to John Moore on Monday, but here we are. It's Tuesday. Let's get into what Toronto's talking about. Hey, good morning, John. So let's start with this. It looks like the progress flag will not be flying outside of your Catholic district school boards next month after a vote yesterday. Yeah, there was a ruckus meeting last night. Police were actually checking people on their way in. Everybody was handed a letter warning them that they had to behave during the meeting. Uh, there were deputations. However, at the end of it, the vote was 6-4 against flying the uh, rainbow flag outside of the headquarter building and outside of any schools. And uh, interestingly, the chairman of the board actually said that he believes that there is a, um, a racist environment and a homophobic environment within the school board, and that's pretty worrisome stuff. 
Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of issues they definitely need to tackle at that board there. So we'll see where that one goes. In the meantime, John, out west, Danielle Smith versus Rachel Notley. And it turns out Smith comes out on top. The United Conservative Party will remain in power in Alberta. Yeah, Daniel Smith is going to remain the premier of Alberta. You may remember she unseated Rachel Notley of the NDP, who was hoping for a comeback. However, at the end of the count, 52% voting for UPC, so that's 49 seats. 44% voting for the NDP, that's 38 seats. And get this, in six ridings in Calgary, the outcome was decided by a combined 851 votes. So don't ever wow. argue that a vote doesn't count. Mm, yeah, indeed. All right, turning to some sad news now, John, uh, police officer and a school bus driver both died after a collision near Woodstock. We don't know the circumstances of this, but as you can see in the video, it's devastating, this collision. An Ontario provincial police officer and a school bus driver both dying at the scene in a crash. This was northwest of Woodstock, Ontario. And as said, we don't know the circumstances yet, but this is going to be yet another um, memorial for a fallen police officer. Yeah, tragic story all around, that's for sure, John. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about sports right now. The Toronto Raptors, we knew Nick Nurse wasn't coming back. No, now we know where he's going. He's going to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, as the new 76ers head coach. Yeah, but there's not a lot of brotherly love mm -hmm. between Toronto not and Philadelphia, yeah. right? Nick Nurse landing a new job after having been cashiered by the Raptors. And you know what? I did a little bit of homework before we got together this morning because I thought, okay, how many times does a coach who did well but then ends up being fired do well again? Scotty Bowman, the winningest coach in history in hockey, five cups with the Montreal Canadiens, gets fired, ultimately wins with the Penguins in 92, the Red Wings in 97, 98, and two. 2002. So there's a future for Nick Nurse. Yeah, yeah there certainly okay. is. Uh, I think so. <laughs> All right, from the hardwood to the ice, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, reached their second Stanley Cup final uh, after a Game 6 win over the Dallas Stars. And, you know, this is the second time they've done it in six years. So don't feel too bad, Leafs fans. Yeah, they beat the Stars 6-0, so they are going to the finals against the Florida Panthers. And the only other takeaway from all of that is that the Maple Leafs were defeated by people who are going to the finals. Mm -hmm. So I guess there's some small degree of comfort for yeah. Torontonians. There's that, but then there's also the fact that the Golden Knights are an expansion team and have made it to the Stanley Cup Finals twice in the last several years. Yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs, we're not going to talk about the last time they were in the finals, but nevertheless, it is one of those sort of interesting situations where when it comes to the NHL lately that expansion teams have been pretty successful. The Golden Knights, really, that's the model you kind of want to lock into if you're uh, looking hockey right now. Of course, Toronto Maple Leafs looking for a new general manager. We'll see who that is. John Moore, always good to have a conversation with you. Thanks so much. Have a great show. You can catch John Moore on News Talk 1010 Monday to Friday from 5 to 9. We'll talk soon, John. Thanks. Jennifer Shaw and Nick Dixon, my friends over at CP24. All right, so where do we pick up from, because we've talked about what Toronto's talking about, but there's lots of other things people are talking about. Um, that includes, of course, the municipal race or the mayor's race. And I really do think, I don't know what expression we would use, rubber hits the road, whatever you want to say, stuff getting real. But we are reaching a point where I think people are perking up and paying a lot more attention. And as Jerry was reporting on the show yesterday, there was a new poll out, and it seems we get a new poll every five or six hours now. But Olivia Chow, still very much the runaway favorite. Although I think, you know, I, I don't know if the ad was running yesterday. I'm only back today, but I heard that Olivia Chow is advertising with us, and God bless you for believing in the power of radio. It is real. 
Um, but I think a lot of people now are probably going to enter into a period of reflection. I don't know that necessarily, you know, it's, it's not Leonard Cohen going off to a monastery for five years. But I think a lot of people are going, okay, if it's almost a sure deal that Olivia Chow is going to be mayor of Toronto, I'm, I need to think about that for a minute. So I think that may leave some degree of flexibility in the race moving forward. And then you get to these, these people who are in the single digits, and we kind of obsess over a percentage point here and a percentage point there, even though it's not statistically significant. So if one candidate goes up 2%, everybody says, see, they've finally had, they've dug in. People are taking a notice of this, that, or the other person. Um, I certainly would think I, I was never quite sure why Mitzi Hunter got into the race. Um, you know, maybe she'll surprise us all. Um, with apologies, because he and I know each other. I think Brad Bradford's running this time in order to make a mark, become a more noted city councillor, and possibly run the next time. I think an awful lot of the people who are running right now had thought they were going to run in three years. And then, thanks to everything that blew up with John Tory, all of a sudden we found ourselves in an election way earlier than anticipated. Um, then you get Mark Saunders, who I get it is considered sort of be is sort of to be the leading candidate for the Conservatives or the Conservative Torontonians. Um, and Josh Matlow, maybe he'll surprise us because Josh Matlow has gone up and down in the polls, but I think has done fairly well in um, in debates. Anyway, that's that's just my take. And as we draw closer, I'll give you some impressions. I mean, not impersonations, impressions. And then I'll let you make up your own mind. But I really do hope that you vote. Because one thing I can never stand, I used to always in the afternoon show where we took more calls than we do in the morning show, because the morning show has a bit of a different mandate. But somebody would call in and say how horrible the mayor was. And I'd say, did you vote in the last one? No, there's no point in voting. Okay, well... As we just observed on CP24, in six Calgary ridings, it came down in some cases to like, you know, 40 votes here, 30 votes there. And that is the difference in the composition of the government that is going to run a province for the next four years. Um, interesting report this morning, and some days it's quite fortuitous that are something, there's something in the news that is very much within the ballywick of the person who's on the morning brief. And today it's Tim Hudak, who is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association. So it's great to have a real estate story to ask him about today. And according to the latest numbers from CIBC Capital Markets, high or higher interest rates, we should say, are pushing the GTA's new construction condo market to a tipping point. The issue is that investors who thought they were going to buy a condo and then be able to rent it out for more or equal to the cost of paying for the mortgage and paying for the condo rate, um, more than half of those people are now going to be losing money. And my quick thoughts on this are, I'm sorry, 
you thought you had a flawless investment strategy based on something that was never going to happen, permanently low interest rates. If you are able to invest in a condo as an investment and you're losing 40 bucks a month, I'm not that sympathetic because over time, the value of that resource is going to go up and you will sell it and make a profit. So no tears shed for people with rental condos. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.